0: I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself, what a wonderful. World.
1: Virgin Valley Artists Association welcomes you to The Art Box, recorded in beautiful Virgin Valley, Nevada, and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone. Come and get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, Mesquite, Nevada, and find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com. Hosting today's episode is Rochelle Knight and Steve Dudrow. Let's go have some fun.
0: Hey, welcome to the Art Box, and today we'd like to welcome Mayor Al Whitman of Mesquite.
2: Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. Let's talk about you.
1: Okay. It's relatively brief, I guess. I was born in Duluth, Minnesota, uh, and if you know anything about Duluth, Minnesota, it's one of the coldest spots on the face of the earth, and I'm weather-driven, and uh, the minute I got my bachelor's degree, I hopped in the car and headed to California, basically never to return to the uh, the cold of Minnesota again.
0: No more fishing on frozen lakes? And no, and I loved and the, it. And the little hut?
1: No, my my, fa- my father took me on one of those and I cursed them for weeks afterwards. <laughs> I was never so cold in my entire life. Yeah, it was not fun. The adults liked it, you know, it was great for them, but it wasn't wasn't good for the kids. So to make a long story short, I moved to California with the idea of getting married because my girlfriend was living in California at the time. She'd been there for about two years, I think. We got interrupted slightly. I got drafted on my honeymoon and uh, in Las Vegas. Into the Army I went and we, we picked up and moved to Colorado Springs, which at that time was a small town. After the service, uh, I settled in uh, California again and stayed there 30 years um, until uh, I sold my business and uh, decided to move to Hawaii. We'd had a home over there for a few years. Spent 10 years in Hawaii, and I said, you know what, it's time to retire totally. Hawaii's fun to visit. It's not a good place to retire unless you're just dripping in money. It's very expensive. We found mesquite. My wife looked at me and said, are you nuts? It's 115 degrees here today. It's in the middle of nowhere. And I said, you know what, if we don't like it, we'll pick up and we'll move eventually. Well, that was 18 years ago, and we're still here. So that's that's... Basically, what's occurred in my life, and I've been I've been married to the same girl now almost fifty-seven years. So congratulations. Uh, so <laughs> we we weathered the storms. Let's put it that way.
2: What was your business that you had in California?
1: Well, I started out as a school teacher, number one. I did that for eighteen years, and I went into the automotive service business because I used to like to fix cars and restore cars for a hobby. I did that for ten years, and it was a very successful business. Sold it, and retired at uh, age fifty. Nice and. Uh, couldn't stay retired okay that didn't work well for me my background in psychology and i opened up a uh, small practice in child and family psychotherapy in maui and then contracted with the state over there and then provided autism services uh, of all places to the island of molokai where i had to fly over in a little putt-putt plane to provide services over there because there was nobody out there after after some years over there i thought it was just time to Pick up and go. All it was beautiful over there, but again, a very tough place to retire. Settled in Mesquite, with no idea of ever doing anything in Mesquite. I, you know, it was not in the, even the back of my mind. I said, I'll find something to do, or you know, whatever. Maybe open a little practice up or something like that. And I didn't. And then I started teaching at the college here. I taught psychology here for five years, part time, of course, evening classes. I got involved with the veterans center over here pre-veteran center because we didn't have one. That's how I got involved with local politics uh, because I was sitting at a table sort of like we're at today here with a number of the council peoples and a city attorney there and blah, blah, blah. And we asked about building a veteran center and we were told you don't need one. Um, there's lots of places for veterans to hang out. You got golf courses and you got casinos. And I said, wait a minute, I can't take no for an answer. And that following year, I ran for city council from then on in.
2: How long were you a councilman before you ran for mayor?
1: Two-year term and then halfway through a second term, which was a longer term uh, because they switched election dates and it was supposed to be a five-and-a-half-year term, mm-hmm. the way they would rearranged things here. Halfway through that term, the mayor resigned and moved away. The council kind of looked over in my direction and said, you know, in, any interest? <laughs> and I said, Okay. Yeah, I'll never forget driving home that night after the, after the council meeting. And I said to myself, what have I done?
2: Now I have to tell my wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait till I get home and she hears this one.
1: That was eight years ago, roughly, and I'm still <laughs> still the mayor.
2: And you're still smiling.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, I look forward to it every day. It's wow. a lot of fun.
2: That's awesome. Let's talk about Mesquite as far as the arts go. Can you tell us about something that's kind of exciting that's, that's coming up next year? It's, it's just in the works. It's called First Friday.
1: Yeah, I was involved with, a, with an activity like that when I lived in Hawaii. Of course, there we had a number of galleries and you could go from gallery to gallery and each gallery would have some hors d'oeuvres and some wine and people would come in. We usually had artists in residence that were there Uh, this is what i'd like to see here where we get some artists down at the gallery talking about their work when people come in on a friday evening and just a to us it was very casual and that's what i would expect here Uh, it's a good way to promote the gallery of course and and to say the least we have one of the most marvelous galleries i've been in and i've been in galleries all over in small towns across the country and in larger cities and this one is I will second to
0: none. Yeah, yeah. fabulous. Well, thank you.
1: Yeah. I'm going to be bringing a few things forward, especially adding to the to the gallery size one way or another. Because I've been over there numerous times. It's crowded, it needs space. It is. And we've got all that land on the side deck there.
2: Right. And
1: uh, I think we can do something with a little of that. Yeah. Again, if I can promote the console that direction, um, which is sometimes not easy to do. Sure. Uh, but with Councilman Galt there right now, I think we've got a, a real good chance. Yes, yeah. he's a wonderful supporter. Yeah, he's a great supporter of the arts. Yeah.
0: yeah, and he actually talked to me about that they're going to build a recording studio. We might have a place to go where it's quiet.
1: I wonder if they build it, build that at the new steam center that he's working yeah. at.
0: He was talking about where Les Lupis is at. Then. Yeah. That's yeah, that's where that that
1: belongs to the that's Mesquite Works now. The foundation that that uh, Councilman Galt received from the Freas family. People that pay rent there pay it to the foundation or the nonprofit, and that will support the Steam Center for the most part.
2: Tell us about the Steam Center. I don't know very much about that.
1: That's a science, education, technology, and the arts. Uh, sometimes it's called STEM, and then it, it omits the arts. Mm-hmm. But this includes the arts. And there's classrooms in there now, and uh, equipment has been ordered. So kids from all over the Virgin Valley, Moab area, can come there, and it's tied in with the schools. This way we're going to have an educated workforce in the future. I don't know if you know the, the, how George acquired any of this. The Frias family approached him. The Frias family owned the cab company here at one time. They're, they were the largest owners of uh, limousines and uh, cabs in Las Vegas. Uh, and they both since passed on. And their foundation that uh, the money was in was to go for educational purposes primarily. They donated the entire shopping center, which is I think about a $2 million evaluation, to Georgia's nonprofit with the idea that part of it, or the majority of it, be used for educational purposes. So they've already revamped one side of the building, uh, and of course one side of the building will be for rentals, that, you know, like Las Lupe's and all mm-hmm. that, to support the facility, which is a great, great project. Oh, yeah, what a great service for yeah. the kids. Yeah, they've hired, they've hired some instructors already, I understand. They've got a board of directors, um, which is wonderful. They're, you know, they're following all the 501c3 regulations, mm-hmm. of course. Some of it was funded by Dr. Ann Rice, who just, just passed last week. Hopefully, that there's something in her estate that will assist with that project. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to obtain a little over $100,000 with uh, American Rescue Funds for equipment in there. You can't use the rescue funds to hire people, but you can use them for backup support and so forth. So that that's going to be a great thing on Mesquite Boulevard, and you know it looks some of it looks kind of old right now, but there's money set aside and more money coming in to renovate it, so it'll not be an eyesore in any way. It'll sort of be a beautiful facility. Wow. So when
2: will that open?
1: I'm hoping sometime uh, this year. Okay. Yeah, at least part of it, as funds come in, primarily and they, they get the equipment and. To get equipment, anything you're dealing with with federal government takes forever. You know, everything has to be verified, and everything has to be two bits, and on and on and on. So we all have to go through the motions to get it done. Right. Um, but it will be done, uh, and George will be operating. He, you know, he's the the CEO of all of this. So it'll it'll be great. Yeah.
2: That's
1: wonderful. Yeah, fantastic. So if he, if it, for example it puts in a recording studio, they'll be educating kids on how to do podcasts and exactly. how to do.
2: Radio, uh, radio, and uh, so
1: forth and so on. Yeah.
2: Yeah, those are good careers. There's a lot you can do that there, way. There,
1: there are so many wonderful careers that have never been explored, mm-hmm. especially in a small community. You know, you have to send the kids away. Right. Yeah, and that's not easy to do. So.
2: Well, I'm excited about the arts portion of the STEAM. Oh, that'd be think
1: fun. That's primarily because you got George involved right. in there. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I think that's wonderful. He
2: added the A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Get the arts in there. I love
2: it. Yeah.
0: new
1: downtown. There, there are a lot of plans on the books right now. There's one right across from City Hall that's called The Levitt Project. Assuming it's going to be built, and I sure hope it is because they're, they're getting ready to turn in all their plans, we'll have retail stores, a beautiful park, a little bandstand area, uh, a little uh, amphitheater section, uh, some housing up above that would be very nice apartments, and retail uh, businesses. And then we have the new fire hall going in, uh, which has been approved, which is the other side of the library. Because people have asked me, why did the library not face Mesquite Boulevard? First of all, they didn't want it to face Mesquite Boulevard. They wanted the other side, so it it kind of interfaced with the project that's over there now uh, across the way where the workforce connections. And it's just a better layout that way for parking. Full front where the library is now is going to be our new fire station. And they should be breaking ground on that. They're going out for bids now. Of course, you know, everything changes. Our initial cost factor is about 30% off of what we thought. So we're going out for bids on it. If all goes well, they should be starting construction there sometime first of the year a little earlier. And I've got an art project in mind for that that I just saw when I got back in Grand Junction last week. And that's beautiful metal sculptures attached to the building to emphasize the fire hall. Like The one they had in there is, is an old fire truck with horses pulling it all on metal. And they had an artist commissioned to do this. So I just brought that in this morning and gave it to uh, my assistant to give it to the fire chief. So that'll be downtown. Uh, there's another project that we're, we're checking on and it's we. we People go slow sometimes, there's supposed to be an apartment complex with a restaurant built across from the post office. It's a big piece of empty land there. So then if you tie that in, we should get more development coming down here. Uh, because one, one profitable business that brings people will bring other businesses. Uh, that, that's what we have in mind for the downtown.
0: Have breaking news? Well,
1: you know, to me, sometimes breaking news is when I see the shovel in the ground. Right. You know, right. You know, and I say, ah, for instance, the bank on the corner uh, that's going up right now, the Nevada Trust. Look how fast they're moving. And then right around the corner up the street from them is uh, Dutch Brothers Coffee. And you see they've flattened out the land and they're working rapidly to get that built. Oh,
2: that'll be so great. That,
1: that'll be a lot of fun. So that, that, awesome. that starts to bring people into the area. More.
2: Tell us about the support of Art and Mesquite how you feel about art? I mean, we've, we've touched a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, I'm 100% behind it, and I think most of our council people are too. You know, that, that will change with, with different people on council. but we promote the arts. We've had a lot of luck with George Galt from the Arts Council working uh, towards getting things done downtown. I met with him last week, and we talked about some other projects where we could find some funding, again, hopefully out of the American Rescue Funds gotten from the federal government. And then I haven't popped the idea yet we need space over there for classrooms and uh, other uh, activities. Not so much gallery space, but I think places to do things. I'm going to be talking with uh, some people in the next day or two even, see if we can not put in some portable type buildings in the back and make them look nice, of course, because you have that whole back of the parking lot. Right. I know it was proposed once to put in a performing arts there. Uh, the lot is way too small for that. It just wouldn't work. By the time you put in parking, no, it just doesn't work, space-wise. But it would be a good idea for some classrooms. Right. And uh, it's city property, and that makes it easier.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we definitely have a lot of classes over there from you know, kids on up.
1: Oh yeah. I, I just uh, wrote a letter in support of the grant for the uh, arts for the for the children's programs that are coming up and some adult programs, uh, through Linda Harris. Sent that off last. Two weeks ago, as a matter of fact, to get that done. So I, I'm very supportive of our arts in town. I love the street art. I think we, we need more with some other ideas, and I, I think it should be concentrated more around this area uh, rather than some of the areas that are just big open spaces.
2: Right. Yeah, I heard the term once, walkable downtown. I, I like that term. It, it,
1: would, it would have to be kind of concise as Sorry. far as the, as the downtown. You know, climate holds everything up, and right. you have huge pieces of property that may never be built on that aren't ours.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, what is the best part of being mayor?
1: I think the best part of being mayor is the interaction you have with the people. You've got to keep your mind active all the time. There's something new every single day. There's always a challenge. There's always something to be answered.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine that. Yeah. And it it,
1: uh, it, it, it keeps the juices flowing, really. When you get to be a certain age and you, know, you think, what am I going to do with myself today? I know what I'm going to do with myself. I'm busy. Very busy. Uh, yeah. If, if it isn't solving a problem, it's it's uh, meeting with somebody or just, just approving something or finding out something new every single day.
0: Yeah. Exciting challenges do keep the juices flowing. I think
1: it does, and, and it's really nice in a small town because you can get a lot more done. You don't have all the layers of bureaucracy that a big city has or the county has or something.
0: Very true.
2: Well and then I, I bet you feel that you can make more of a difference that way too, to oh, see oh, things oh, your absolutely. ideas and then boom they can happen fairly quickly. Oh
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So we, we talked earlier before we before we turned on the mics of thanking you for what you did for our community uh, when COVID through COVID and, and you told us about they weren't podcasts but you did a little I think what three times a week.
1: Five times. Sometimes five times a week. Five times a yeah. week depending on the needs at the time. It, it was it was suggested by the fire department that I make a, a public statement when, when we found out that we had a problem with COVID. And I thought, okay, I'll do it once or twice. You know, that should be sufficient. And I said, well, things are changing so rapidly. What do you think about doing a daily video? And I said, what? <laughs> you gotta be kidding, daily? And uh, next thing you know, I'd come home from work and sit down at my desk and start writing a script for the next day and making phone calls to get the up-to-date information that I needed. You know, we don't have a lot of media here, and and people were just inquiring. I I think it was fear more than anything else at first. What's going on? And then I've I've been involved with the county where we go down to meetings at the county, sometimes Saturday. In fact, one of them was on COVID. It was on a Saturday afternoon. I got a call at noon. Can you be here at 2? Hopped in the car, drove down to Las Vegas, and it was a room. Now, mind you, they were saying that they want you to social distance, and this room was about this size with about 60 people, in oh. and <laughs> we're not social distancing. Everything from Sheriff Lombardo to uh, the mayors of the, the, in the county, where everybody was there asking questions. Uh, the head of the health district was there, and this went on. And I remember going home and saying, what a, you know, this was a Saturday. It's just my whole afternoon is gone, and I get a call Sunday morning. We're having another meeting. Can you come back? You know 10 o'clock in the morning so I, my wife said i'll go with you we jumped jumped in the car and down again we went so this would go and then go home and then write a video for the next or a, oh, wow! a script for the next day uh, but i had tremendous cooperation from the police department they were great and they'd come down here and they had a video camera that police used and put it on a tripod the gentleman that did the videos would transcribe everything onto the ipad type it right in that I'd give him the written script. He'd type it in and hold it up, and I would I would read it at my desk. And then we went on site a couple different places around town, where they were giving the uh, um, vaccines, where they were doing blood work, this, that, and the other. And it, it just worked. It was it was good. So people were aware of, and I had people call me from as far away as Michigan. Yeah,
2: thanking you for doing that. They, they were
1: watching it. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. great. They'd watch it and. Uh, there was all over. Of course, it was on Channel Nine. It was, you know, and on the radio, the out of Bunkerville. It worked, you know. I was very helpful. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And the other thing yeah. I have to say about that is, besides the content, we enjoyed your shirts.
1: Thank you. Somebody asked me how many I had, and I went home and kind of had 52 Hawaiian shirts. No way. Yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And I try to wear a different one every day, you know? yes you did. There yeah. was always a different one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So let's let me ask now, I know that you got COVID. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and your recovery?
1: Okay, the first time I got COVID, we were doing a political fundraiser at an unnamed restaurant here in town. And it was not a real full room, but it was pretty full, and an elderly couple were sitting there and I had my mask on and I had to take off my mask to answer their questions because they couldn't hear me very well through the mask. And I thought, no, no big deal. You know, just five minutes and I was talking to these people, maybe three minutes, I don't know. And uh, two days later, you know, I didn't feel good. And I thought, this is where I got COVID in all, in all probability. Make a long story short, I was really sick. And um, my oxygen had dropped down to 84 and I was having trouble breathing and I was coughing violently. No temperature to speak of, it was a pretty normal temperature, and terribly fatigued. My wife said, let's, let's go. So over to Mesa View, they took me in, gave me oxygen, I think they gave me steroids and sent me home. They said, if you feel worse tomorrow, I want you to come back. And by the next day, I really felt bad. So back in and uh, they threw me on a stretcher or whatever. My wife couldn't come in, you know, and it was very scary. And I was the only COVID patient in the hospital at that time at Mesa View. I got to tell you, I got the best care. And I don't think it's because I was the mayor, believe me. They didn't care who I was. They gave me the rendesivir. They gave me the blood plasma with, with uh, uh, everything in it. They gave me uh, steroid shots. Uh, I got injections, uh, in fact, two injections in the stomach. of blood clot-breaking medication just in case. And within 48 hours, I felt pretty good. And they released me and I went home. When you're waving goodbye to your wife, so to speak, and she can't come in, she, she had it already, but she didn't know it, and it was real, real mild. But the, but the care was fabulous. Yeah, there was, there was nothing wrong with anything. And uh, I was home, stayed, of course, we stayed home for about 10 days for that one. Bored to death, uh, you know, sitting home doing nothing, literally. That was that, and then uh, was it la- last month I got it again. We went to a play at uh, Tuakon, uh-huh. and uh, the room was packed. It was the indoor theater, not the outdoor. And it was just packed with people. And I said, you know, I don't think this was a great idea. Sure enough, about three days later, you know, sore throat. Uh, very mild. It was like getting a bad head cold, and that was it. And I'm fully recovered.
2: Tell us about your other interests.
1: Well, they've changed over the years. (laughs) My biggest interest at one time was car restoration. I spent a lot of my time in the garage, underneath the car, or under the hood, fixing something, getting cars ready for shows, and so forth. They did a lot of that. I sold all of that when we moved to Hawaii. There was no place to keep them over there anyway. And they would have rusted because we lived right on the ocean. I ended those hobbies. Uh, I do a lot of reading. I like to write. You know, I write a monthly article for the, for the Mesquite monthly paper. I'm usually doing something or another in the way of writing something. Um, getting ready to do—I uh, have a eulogy I'm supposed to deliver next month for something, so I'm starting to prepare something like that. So I'm always writing something, yeah. And again, I love to read.
2: Uh, what kind of books do you read?
1: I read primarily fiction. I like fiction. I was a history major, and I read a history books till they were coming out of my ears. Sure. So that's okay. But uh, I like light lighter fiction sometimes. I like Lincoln Childs, mm-hmm. things like that. It's just fun stuff, that, not heavy read.
2: Right. Yeah. They're good escapes. That's
1: that's oh, yeah. what I like. yeah.
2: What, could, what is your favorite music?
1: My favorite music is jazz. Jazz of the '40s and '50s primarily. Uh, the real modern jazz, not particularly. And then I love classical music. But not the what you call the, the more pop classical music. I like the music of the Baroque era, mm-hmm. and I can I can sit and listen to that. I can, I also like uh, some opera, but I don't like modern opera. I like I like to listen to Caruso, you know, and uh, it's just pleasant. Yeah, at home there's almost always music playing.
2: Turning towards the future about mesquite, what keeps you up at night?
1: What keeps me up at night? Well, one of the things right now, and it's, it's a little bit controversial, is the division between those that have and those that don't have in Mesquite. We've got a lot of young working people coming into town with new companies. There's just no place to live. And if there is, it's almost unaffordable. And I read an article this morning, because I have talked about it before, and sure enough, there was a big article about seniors being priced out of rentals. Because you're on a fixed income, rents are going up in some places 20 30 40% what are we going to do? So we do have some great projects on the books and we're being we're being bombarded with people saying we don't want them, we don't want them, put them somewhere else, uh, as long as we don't have to look at them. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, I grew up in an apartment uh, for a number of years, you know, and they couldn't afford a home. This is, this is something we have to give everybody, a good place to live. And if we're gonna grow, we have to, we just have to.
2: Turning towards the future, what excites you most about art in
1: Mesquite? I see expansion of what we have. Uh, I'd like to see art even more important in Mesquite. It's, it's many places, it's, it's the backbone of the community, sure. the art. So there's a lot we can do in art.
0: Our final question, and we ask of all of our guests, is what's inspired you this past week?
1: Is inquiring about some of the, the companies that uh, we need, need in Mesquite. and We just talked about it before you got here this morning. I said, do a double check, where's Hawaiian food, food food trucks, you know, they're coming here to Mesquite. It's a unique concept, I'll give you a moment to tell you about this. Uh, you know food trucks are very popular everywhere. Right. Well, there's a giant company uh, in Maui, as a matter of fact, with a branch in Portland, Oregon, that is moving to Mesquite. They don't want to do business in Portland any longer. It's too expensive to ship and they ship uh, all over the, the Pacific and they build the food trucks to order. So you give them the specifications, they build it. They've bought a piece of property out in the industrial section, and they're waiting for the road to be finished to that piece of property so they can build. And they're gonna have a restaurant with it called Aloha Burgers. So you can sit in there and watch a food truck being built and eat a gourmet hamburger at the same time.
2: What a great concept. That's
1: really an interesting concept.
2: Well, and hopefully some of those trucks will stay here.
1: A possibility of it, yeah, yeah. You know, they've become very popular they here.
0: Have. Yeah. The reason they
1: started, uh, and it's called Hawaii Food Trucks, is food trucks in Hawaii and food truck parks are huge over there, especially in Honolulu Oahu area. Ten of them in a row, and you just take your pick, and uh, it's just fun. Uh, and they're doing well in Mesquite here.
2: They are. Uh, yeah, yeah, I
1: hear all the time, how come so-and-so wasn't there this weekend? You know, we were looking for whatever truck. Because most of them come up from Las Vegas,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. We'd like—I'd like to see our own little food truck park here.
2: Oh, me too. Uh, just
1: a different concept.
2: Well, and it'll work really well with First Fridays to see park the- outside <laughs> yes. and oh yeah.
1: I think the First Friday event, if it's if it's promoted properly here, so people know that it's there, I think it's going to boom. Me
2: too. Uh,
1: this is this is big, and one of the biggest issues I've had since I've lived here is finding out things because. You can't turn on the TV here and find out what's going on in Mesquite. We don't really have a radio station that is going to tell us anything. The newspaper out of St. George doesn't even mention Mesquite as a rule, but we've got the progress, uh, which is good, you know, to have them here. I worked with them a long time to get them to really get operating in Mesquite. It's successful, but getting the word out is the toughest. So you go to Facebook, and can you believe what they tell you sometimes? Uh, Well, I heard that, and I heard this, but, you know, you want to see accurate information, so I, yeah, I think it'll be a great promotion. Th- these are the things that small towns need. We need. I, I always tell people that if you're not if you're not growing as a community, you're dying as a community. Mm-hmm. There's so many of them you drive through through the through the rural areas and through the Midwest, and there's nothing going on, and it's just everybody there is old and, and right. they look tired, and there's nothing to look forward to. Sure. Uh, and that's, that poses a bit of a, con, a, a problem with Mesquite because you have a lot of people that don't want any growth. Uh, let's leave it the way it was 50 years ago, but it doesn't work. Again, you, you want to attract younger people. That's been my biggest thing with, when, when people are complaining about, we don't want this, we don't want that, we don't want this, we don't want any homes, we don't want any apartments that people can afford, but we want all these services. And I'm thinking, well, who's going to provide the services? You know, uh, Not all the retirees, right. You know, you need younger people. And younger people need a place to live. And they're entitled to it. They work, they deserve. Yeah, I I get comments that. We had one the other day. Skeet Boulevard would be a good place. And another person had put something online. Don't you ever build apartments on Mesquite Boulevard. That's for retail businesses. Well, yeah, lots of luck. Those big lots sit empty. Right. Uh, And they always will sit empty because if you know anything about them, they were farms originally, mostly dairy farm. They're owned by families that have no intentions of selling that land. Uh, or if they do, it's, it's Wall Street prices, they'll sit empty. So we, yeah, we need housing more than anything else right now here that people can afford. There are two apartments that I understand right now for rent in the entire city. Both of them are, I think, at Rock Springs, and they're $1,500, uh, one's 1550 and that's it.
2: Oh, I didn't know that, yeah, wow. And,
1: yeah, uh, and we've got a big company coming. We've got the uh, uh, Can Company coming mm-hmm. here would we'll be employing a lot of people.
2: Right. So know, where are they going to go? Where are
1: they going to live? They've got to have places, you know. Uh, the, the people, they, they're starting, by the way, they're, full, they're advertising, they're starting their basic pay at $32 an hour, which is respectable by all means. But when you think about it, you can't buy anything for $32 and <laughs> you're making $32 an hour. No. It's not possible. You know, not nowadays, anyway. Right. Yeah,
0: Yeah, we're wondering, we've got that little community on Hafen, the one that's that's new. And of course, there rumors all oh, that's going to be low income. And I've seen the prices there; they're
1: not low income. No, no. Yeah, affordable income. I I, I just read. I just wrote an article. It's uh, it'll be coming out uh, next month in Mesquite uh, Monthly, uh, again about what is affordable housing, and what is low income housing. You know, and uh, what is low income nowadays? You know, right. fifty thousand dollars is not low income, but. Try to buy a house on a fifty thousand dollar income. Lots of luck. Exactly. Uh, you're not buying anything in Mesquite. To, you know that. Uh, with twenty percent down, just it's an impossibility. We've got to do something. And again, seniors particularly, uh, if a senior wants to downsize and sell their house, they'll rent. In most cases, it's too much work to take care of the house. Whatever they've got to have a place to rent also. So and they can't be spending three thousand dollars a month for rent because that nest egg disappears rather quickly.
2: And I think when it's so limited and there's no competition, it does keep everything so high. And oh, absolutely. a new building would
1: absolutely. And, kind of bring and, and, it better. Absolutely. And we're not unique by any means. I, I read all over the country what's taking place in cities everywhere, and it's exactly the same thing. Yeah. Even my hometown in, in northern Minnesota which I can't imagine anybody wanting to move there. Uh, it, it's got the world's worst weather. I'll say that. They'll probably yell at me if they do this from Duluth, but it's expensive, you know, and it's, it's in the North woods, literally, and it's expensive. Um, but, you know, nowadays people are working out of their homes a lot, and that's changed the whole environment because people are leaving, uh, Minneapolis is, is the closest city to where I live, the big city and with all the crime and so forth there, and people are saying, you know what, I can work out of my house, why don't I just buy a house up in Duluth, Minnesota, which is a lot less uh, expensive than Minneapolis, Minnesota, uh, and I work from my computer. Even that is changing, because all of a sudden they figured out there they can raise the prices of the homes. Exactly. So, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a never-ending problem.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Mayor Littman, thank you very
1: much for your time today. Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, the Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, visit us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com.